This is Brett from Washington State, and I love a good podcast. That's why I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, welcome to the show. Episode 273 of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your host, Jesse Dolomore. Sitting across from me, the lady who cannot come up with a topic to talk about during our intro, the lovely, the talented, Brittany Page. Well... That is true. <laughs> You're goddamn right. It's I true. I gave several great ideas. You gave no good ideas. That is true. And I tried I mean, my best, though. I mean, just now, before I clicked record, that's what the topic was. What are we going to open the show with? Yeah. And you threw out a number of very shitty, shitty topics. Hmm. Well, I didn't hear you coming up no, with no, any. No, no, no. You, no, 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 no. You wanted to talk about... A dog with spina bifida that you saw on Instagram. <laughs> it's supposed to be relatively upbeat, the opening of the show. Well, it was a very cute dog. Um, and you, you just love crippled dogs. No, I you don't love, love that dog with dogs. the tongue that hangs out of its mouth. Yeah, Marnie. Marnie, yeah. It's like yeah. a stroke dog. Yeah. <laughs> she looks <laughs> like a freak when she runs. Yeah. I No, I don't love... What'd you say? Disabled animals? Yeah, crippled dogs. No, I don't love... No, it's just that I, this dog was oh, in my have feed. To be, we have to be politically correct in the way we talk about dogs with disabilities. <laughs> no. I can't say a crippled dog. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, the 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 not abled? How is yeah, it? The... I'm an ableist. I'm an animal ableist. Yeah, I don't know the language. <laughs> don't ask me what the language is. But everybody loves Marnie. Marnie's like the most popular dog on Instagram or something. It is so, funny. Yeah, she's a funny dog. Like, eating ice cream, the dog, it's just a fucking train wreck. Yeah, that tongue is like dried up and... Just dragging on the goddamn ground. Yeah. But <laughs> I-, I follow a lot of bulldog accounts, so yeah. there's always a lot of dogs in my feed. And I follow rescue accounts too, and so sometimes they get these dogs that are really beat up, you yeah. know, um, like their legs are, you know fights and you know dogs yeah, they're fucking dogs not a good situation so sometimes they're a little messed up well what's remarkable about this is britney page used to not have a deep fondness for animals i think it's because you grew up in a household where animals probably weren't treated that well and you just avoided getting close to them yeah well also i didn't know that people like spent money on veterinary bills oh right, right. i just thought when your dog got sick that's, like that's, it died. that's for rich people <laughs> honestly i i would hear people talk about how they spent hundreds of dollars on their cat when it got sick or something and i'd think what you i thought it just died when i got sick <laughs> really you actually like take it somewhere to uh i laugh but it's fucking tragic and very sad well you and know. not just because a cat dies because you know it's a cat but well, when you're poor, you don't spend money to fix your animal. Well, when you're poor, you shouldn't have a fucking animal. It's like homeless people with dogs. Ah! I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this, but that bothers me. It bothers you a lot. It it bothers. It's like if you're if you're homeless and you're smoking and begging for money, why don't you lay off the cigs? I'm really going to catch shit for that. Well, the cigarettes are pretty expensive. But a dog, the dog thing, you you've got another mouth to feed. 
You don't have to own a dog. I don't know. I'm probably just being judgmental. Poor dogs. The poor dogs. But anyway, so Brittany Page, for a long time, anybody's animal, people would get bothered because Brittany wouldn't call it he or she. I'd call it it. (laughs) Every animal was it. Yeah. Didn't care. But you've come around. It's not that I didn't care. It's just that that's, yeah, that was my approach to animals. Yeah, and you've, you've since... You've developed a a very deep fondness for yeah. the bulldog breeds. Well, yeah, and and other dogs. When I see other dogs, I'm like, oh, a dog. You know, I'm a dumb person now. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> whatever was not there before is now there, and now I'm that dumb person that sees a dog and is like, oh, I want to go pet it. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. It is yeah. sad what has happened to me. It's so sad yes. that you now have a heart <laughs> and 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 sympathy and empathy toward other living animals. Uh, it's not that I didn't have that dick. <laughs> I'm teasing. Calm down. I just didn't want them to touch me. Okay. <laughs> also, animals animals don't really go very well with my cleanly. Uh, your 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 fear of germs. No, I don't have a fear of germs. I just prefer to be clean and have things be clean. That's all. You're cautious of germs. How can you be cautious of germs? When someone coughs on me, yes, I get alarmed. That's what yeah, everybody it's, does. It's more than I think normal people. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway. It's perfectly fine. All right. Let's... Does not interfere with my life. Let's move on with the show. We've got a couple of voicemails. One of them is going to spur another clip that we're going to play. And then we've got an email to read. So let's let's read the email for... Is the email kind of serious? It is, right? Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with this. Hey, guys. This is Matt from Texas. I just got a finished working out and listening to the Muslim Band podcast and in my delirious mental state just wanted to let you know that Jesse sounds like Luther the anger translator from Key and Peele keep up the good work guys good job I, I don't know whether that's a compliment or digging on me but I've, I've been quite fired up yeah I mean it's I think I've always been a guy who's eas- eas- easily fired up nah <laughs> <laughs> fighting back a cough yes absolutely but here for those of you who don't know who the anger translator is i don't know who possibly doesn't know because it's huge it's key and peel a couple of guys on comedy central and they actually did a final one for obama the skit is is where one of them plays obama and then the other one plays a guy who's his anger translator. So he's translating all the things that he wants to say is kind of how I take it. And here is Key and Peele from Comedy Central, their final rendition, I guess, of Obama and Luther, the anger translator. Good evening, my fellow Americans. You remember my anger translator, Luther. Why? Hello. Now, I've told Luther that he can join me for this last address, but that his being on his very best behavior is crucial to healing the divide in this country. Keep it chill, Luther. Go against every natural instinct in your body. Since we last spoke, the country has voted for a new president. Trump! Here we go. Really? Talk about the Trump! How did this happen, man? Get the fuck out of here. Y'all gonna vote for 
what? No, uh, it's true. We all have to Damn. accept that we're going to have someone else calling the shots. Vladimir Putin, y'all. You got a naked Ruski on horseback going to be running the show. Placebo, Russian motherfuckers. It was a close election, but the people have spoken. Yeah, they voted for Hillary Clinton, but then this outdated electoral college mumbo-jumbo voodoo bullshit. I can't even say. Uh, it's more imperative than ever that we move on as a country united. United in the fact that we can't fucking stand each other. Even as the country adopts new policies uh, on trade, immigration. New policy! The only good immigrant is a smoking hot white one. He plagiarizes <laughs> speeches. I said, bitch. Now, I have greatly enjoyed my time as your president. Except when, um, you know, um, I, um, let me think about it, let me think. When the Republicans wouldn't let me do shit, and then that one dude said I wasn't born here, and then y'all elected him. So you know what? Didn't love that part so much. So pretty much the beginning, middle, and the end sucked. I have met with President-elect Trump and have pledged my support in his transition. He doesn't even want the job, y'all. I saw it in his eyes. The dude was shook. The only reason he ran is because his factory in China made too many red hats. It's the only reason. <laughs> I assure you that if he succeeds, we all succeed. Unless he succeeds with all the shit he promised to succeed with. In that case, we're fucked. And now, a time-cherished tradition is that the outgoing... Oh, don't say outgoing, don't say outgoing. That's me. Damn it. Leaves the incoming president a little note in the desk of the Oval Office. Of course, it's completely confidential. Go fuck yourself. Until now. Oh, that's my bad. To all of you out there who are afraid that your way of life is under attack, remember that progress isn't always a straight line. No, because sometimes it's a line that goes like this. It goes, and then this goes straight down for four fucking years. Stay strong and never stop standing up for what you believe in. Uh, yes, I would like to book a four-year stay for five at the Ice Hotel in Sweden, please. Sorry, five? For Bo. I mean, y'all are going to take Bo. <laughs> Make it six. In summation. Thanks, America. It's been real. It's been good. But it ain't been real good. Apparently, orange is the new black. Good luck with your health care, assholes. I'm out. Peace. I got my eye on you, pussy grabber. Yeah. <laughs> I get a kick out of that. I love it. And it's, I don't know that I resemble him that much. Well, you get a little fired up. I do I do get a little fired up sometimes. So, you, eh, I can see it. I can see it. Well, anyway, thanks, Matt, from Texas. I don't know if compliment or not, but we appreciate the communication. Right. Very good. Yes. And it gave me a chance to play that. We've been wanting to play that since the week they let they, they released it. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just feels like the Trump administration has already been going for like six months. It really does. And we're 12 days in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. Yes, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm I'm mentally, emotionally spent mm -hmm. already. Next call. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Stephen from Northern California. And, okay, look. I worked a graveyard shift. 
So I sleep through most of the day. I usually get up right around the time that the quote-unquote news day is ending. So every day that I get up in the last few, last week and a half, it feels like I'm getting punched in the stomach. Um, I wrote you guys an email a couple of days ago about some alarming things that I'm seeing in the president's actions that make me suspicious or paranoid that he may be, in fact, trying to install a fascist regime in the place of the presidency. And I made mention of alternative facts and, you know, Bannon telling the media they need to keep their mouth shut. But now, in just in the last few days, even more has happened. He's firing people off of the Intelligence Committee and appointing, he's putting Bannon at a national security spot so he gets to sit in on confidential briefings and now they're freezing out CNN. They're, they're, they're refusing to answer questions from CNN. And now today I wake up and I read that the Senate Republicans went ahead and changed the rules today so that they could confirm two of the president's cabinet picks. They changed the rules in one day so that they can confirm those picks. The Democrats have been boycotting the, the meetings, so they would, so they couldn't bring it to a vote because the Democrats felt that the two cabinets hadn't answered questions that were important for the American people to know. And the Republicans, they, they, they wouldn't answer the questions, so the Democrats started boycotting the meeting. The Republicans changed the rules so that they could confirm the picks. I've been shouting at the top of my lungs to everybody I know about how important this is and that we need to pay attention to what is going on here. And everybody just looks at me like I'm crazy. So maybe I am. We re elected a reality TV star as president, so anything is possible. Please, guys, help me make sense of this. Am I, am I the only one that thinks this? Great show, guys. Love you both. Have a good one. <laughs> I sound like I have a partner in crime in my anger translator role. Yes. <laughs> I think Stephen is joining me. I will say this, Stephen. I have often, about every day I have the thought, is Donald Trump being deliberate in his, like you, I, I don't know how you put it, but his installation of a fascist type of regime? Or is it just coincidence because he admires those type of authoritarian leaders so much? Because he's, if there's a fascism 101, maligning the media, installing propaganda, putting yourself up as the only sole source of true information. And the one that can save everybody. Yeah, the only one exactly. that can help. He's doing everything he should do if he wants to do a, a fascist regime. But is he, is, it, is he just stumbling into it? Or is he really knowing what he's doing? It's something I'm struggling with right now. I think only time will tell. But I have the same concerns. Clearly, I have the same concerns as you. It is alarming. The question now is how long is it going to take for him to burn bridges with the Republicans in Congress prior to the midterm elections? Because by then, we'd better goddamn be mobilized and ready to oust Republicans at every turn to take back the Senate, to take back the House. The midterm elections this cycle should be treated like a presidential election because that's when the highest turnout happens.
Well, we better hope that Republicans are sitting on their fucking hands because it'll be time to turn out. But I, I share your concerns, Stephen, and, and you're not alone. There are millions of us out there. Well, and if there's one positive thing about Donald Trump, <laughs> it's that it's <laughs> I know everybody. Well, everybody's I, holding their breath. I, I was. What is she about to say? <laughs> It's that it's getting people involved. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have said, I never really paid attention to this stuff. You know, I never really paid attention to these cabinet appointments and I, I didn't pay attention to this kind of stuff. And this is making me pay attention to it. I've, I've heard that so many times yeah. in the past few days. And I actually had a friend over yesterday who said, it's making me realize that I need to be this vigilant, this critical of every administration. Yeah. It's not just when my side wins, oh, I can relax. It's no, I need to be aware of what's going on at all times. You need to hold your party accountable too. Right. So when the Democrats start fucking up when they're in power, you hold the party that's in power their feet to the fire. And so I think it's a good lesson. I think a lot of the debates that I'm seeing on Facebook, even though they can get contentious and mm -hmm. some people ask, what's the point? Well, people are researching. People are learning. People are arguing. And I think that's important. You need people to be well-informed. Yeah. How do they become well-informed? They talk it out. They research stuff. Yeah. And I think that his presidency is motivating more people to do that. That is a silver lining. You are right. All right. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. We have an email. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Words cannot even begin to express how pissed off I am about this Muslim ban. We know what is right and what is wrong, and this is just dead-ass motherfucking wrong. <laughs> it is un-American. Hang on. Uh, can I pause to say I love our listeners? Yes. All right. It is un-American, let alone unconstitutional, to ban an entire religion of people from our country. When we elect a president, even one we don't like, agree with, or approve of, I think in the interest of fairness, we should give that person a chance. That had always been my belief. That being said, I'm fucking done with the Republicans. For as long as I can remember, I have been told that the Republican Party is the party of Ronald Reagan and Abraham Lincoln, of strong families and family values. I don't remember Ronald Reagan, but I've generally heard him described as a man of integrity. Abraham Lincoln was a man of honor, courage, and conviction, traits of which the current Republican Party possesses none. None. They do not possess. As far as being a party of strong families, this ban separates families, parents from their children, siblings, and other relatives. Further, where are the Christians? Where are the pro-life people? Where are the all-lives-matter people? Uh. Some Christians have stood up and shown outrage, as they should be. But the general response from the so-called Christian right has been tepid at best. I am wondering now if pro-life just means pro-birth, because this weekend has made it apparent that the pro-life movement doesn't give a fuck about anybody's life. Maybe all lives matter should consider a name change to white Christian lives matter. Uh, that is awesome. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love Jesse's got some work Brittany's to do. Raina. Oh, Raina. Of course, Raina. Awesome. Yes. And I have some work to do? I don't fucking think so. <laughs> I got this uh, operation. Unlock. It is It is a, a, a finely tuned machine. Uh-huh. If you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> 
That's because I watch the yeah. finely tuned machine. <laughs> right, right. Thank you very much, you guys, for the email, for the for the for the phone calls. If you too would like to sound off and communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone or a regular email to I doubt it at dollamore.com. And Raina is taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. That is awesome. The other thing that we just started is an Instagram account. Yeah. I just I was going to mention it last time and we fucking forgot because we had two episodes in one goddamn day. Right. It's I Doubt It Podcast on Instagram, just like it is on Twitter. Yep. And not not a lot's going on there. But we will share things in the days coming. In the days. Yeah. And um, so we'll be posting things in the coming days. Yes. And go follow us. It's... <laughs> Just getting started, so when you go, there's not going to be a whole lot going on, but bear with us. We we didn't want to get one at first, and then we decided, oh, it's a good place to put memes and stuff. Everybody's doing it. Yes. And we are followers if we're nothing else. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. I want to, I know we said thank you last time, but I, I want to take a, a, a special moment right now and thank Carissa for the little Patreon PayPal commercial she did. It wasn't even Patreon or PayPal specific. It was more just about supporting the show. Right. And holy shit, there was an awesome response. We had, it's, other than when we first started the Patreon, it's our very biggest first, or our very biggest week yeah. gain in, in dollars and in in supporter numbers. So thanks to all those who, who stepped up to support the show. And thank you, Carissa, because you're a boss. Yeah. That was awesome. Taking care of that guilt biz. <laughs> We really appreciate that. <laughs> and seriously, listen, we still do have just a few mugs. If you want a mug, dollamore.com slash shop. If you're buying stuff on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. And of course, the Patreon and the and the PayPal. I think we are now shipping experts because we were able to ship a mug to Afghanistan successfully, no breaking. Yeah, well, we shipped one to Kansas, which we're replacing. yes. We're replacing the mug that broke on the way to Kansas, to fucking Kansas, and we got one all the way to Afghanistan yeah. with no problem. I don't know how that happens. Well, it's because I'm dumb. Uh, no, I think and it's... And I've become a maven of shipping. I think it's because the postal you workers... UPS is calling me on, on an hourly basis trying to get me on board because they know how good I am at shipping things now. Well, if you want to kick around the boxes and throw them... <laughs> Quite the distance to someone's front door. Right. That's how I think they treat the packages. So I'm pretty sure. It's like luggage handlers at the airport. Exactly. Yeah. They're hoping that something's explosive in there. Yeah. And it's going to detonate and kill everybody. Yeah. Because they hate their lives and their jobs. I mean, I don't know. I'm speculating. That's, yeah. We get that. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Brittany. Yeah. Making me laugh in between segment runs. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's Black History Month, February 1st. 
And uh, President Trump, who we all know has oh a deep abiding love for the African-American population in this country, oh. he gave a, a stirring, beautifully heartfelt message on this oh my God. first day of Black History Month this year. During this month, we honor the tremendous history of the African-Americans throughout our country, oh throughout God. the world, if you really think about it, right? And uh, this story is one of unimaginable sacrifice, hard work, and faith in America. Uh, I've gotten a real glimpse during the campaign. I'd go around with Ben to a lot of different places that I wasn't so familiar with. They're incredible people. And I want to thank Ben Carson, who's going to be heading up HUD. That's a big job. (laughs) And it's a job that's not only housing, it's mind and spirit. And you understand Nobody's going to be better than Ben. Last month, we celebrated the life of the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr., whose incredible example is unique in American history. You read all about Dr. Martin Luther King uh, a week ago when uh, somebody said, I took the statue out of my office, and it turned out that that was fake news. (laughs) (laughs) Fake news. The statue is cherished. It's, It's one of the favorite things in the and we have some good ones. We have Lincoln, and we have Jefferson, and we have Dr. Martin Luther King, and we have other, but they said the, uh, the statue, the bust of Dr. Martin Luther King was taken out of the office, and uh, it was uh, never even touched. So I think it was a disgrace, but that's the way Jesus the press is. Christ. Very unfortunate. Uh, I am very proud now that we have a museum in the National Mall where people can learn about Reverend King, so many other things. Frederick Douglass is an example of somebody who's done an amazing job and is being recognized more and more, I notice. Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, and millions more black Americans who made America what it is today. Big impact. I'm proud to honor this heritage, and we'll be honoring it more and more. The folks at the table, in almost all cases, have been great friends and supporters. There's no goddamn way Donald Trump knows who Frederick Douglass is. Oh, there's no way. You don't say he's done an amazing job. You say he did an amazing job. Yeah, he thinks that he's still alive. Also, and I this, this doesn't get lost on anybody, that Donald Trump talked about himself more than anything else while talking about Black History Month. Yeah, he was trying, he, he was reading something. He was looking down, reading right. a statement. But he can't even do that. Yeah. Because he sees something... And then he's reminded of himself and how he was wronged. And he really needs to talk about that for a lengthy amount of time. It also struck me as odd that he, the, the other names that he mentioned about Abraham Lincoln, that's a great name. Raina brought him up. Right. That's an awesome name related to black history. Uh-huh. But Thomas Jefferson, eh, listen, I admire Thomas Jefferson, what he did for the forming of this union. But he owned hundreds of slaves. Maybe that's not the guy to mention while talking about the wonderfulness and the tremendousness of Black History Month. Well, I love how he says, you know, I went out with Ben Carson, the only black person that he knows. And <laughs> well, the, the one that he said that is pathological, like a child molester yeah. on the campaign trail. And then he said that they went out into the communities and he met a lot of fantastic people. Like, I just... I can't believe yeah. that this is the president of the United States yeah. listening to him talk. I mean, honestly, can he go 
take a speech course or something, something where he can improve his oral communication (laughs) skills because he goes on these tangents. Well, the tangent also leads him to down the path where, look, what did he say on the campaign trail? What was he saying directly to African-American voters? What in the hell do you have to lose? Right, you're in the worst Your position ever. Your cities are on fire. Yeah. Literally what he was saying. Mm-hmm. He has no respect. He doesn't believe that the, the African-American voter base or, or citizens generally in this country, he has no concern for their dignity, for their well-being. This was a disrespectful hat tip about the the first day of Black History Month. That's just what it was. Right, and they might have created a nice little statement for him to read, but he couldn't even yeah, do that. Yeah, he couldn't bother to just stick to the fucking script. He had to get his own bullshit in there. And I I keep on seeing people, you know, he made this unannounced trip to honor the fallen Navy SEAL, the first soldier that has died under his watch, basically. Right. And he made this quote-unquote unannounced trip to the Dover Air Force Base to collect the remains. Um, and I've seen a lot of people praising him, saying, oh, look, he didn't do this for the TV cameras. He did this just out of the goodness of his heart. Oh, really? He for sure did it for the TV cameras. Really? When the president just leaves unannounced, the media, need, they want to know, where's he going? Where's he going? I saw several reports. Where is Donald Trump yeah. going? He's making an unannounced trip. He made a spectacle of it. So then it, the coverage got even more right. that, oh, that's where he's going. And then it was this big deal. Oh, we figured it out. So it got really announced. Right. And it's hard for me because I, I'm i always trying to check myself. Am I reacting this way simply because... You hate him. Yeah. yeah. and <laughs> I, I'm trying to do the same thing. And Maybe not as fervently as you, but... Well, because I don't want to be coming from that place. I want it to be a legitimate evaluation yes. of who he is as a person and what he's doing. And I genuinely feel like... Everything he does is for the cameras. Yeah. So how can you separate those? I don't think today, you can. Today, with this deal with going to Dover and the the the, the Navy SEAL, the, the killed in combat, right. killed in a, a raid in Yemen, uh, he, this cements it for me. He doesn't give a fuck. This is about him. Yeah. This is about his image and how it comes across. There's no nobility in charity for recognition's sake. Right. And that's what he's doing. He's doing a good deed. As long as the cameras are turned on to him. Well, in the reaction to this, I've seen, finally, we have a president who honors our fallen soldiers. Right, like Obama never did. Fuck off. Well, it's the new, finally, we have a president who says, God bless America. We, like, we did have a president who did that. Yes. We all know that. Yes. Stop being disingenuous. Or stupid. Stop being fucking stupid. It's difficult for Trump voters. Trust me. It's tremendous. <laughs> Views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. What a cool voice that guy has. All right. Every time I hear it. I think you'd like him as a as a co-host, not the, the wretch that sits across from me right now. I think we balance one another. <laughs> Pretty, pretty well. You mean Beauty and the Beast, like that kind of a balance? No, like... uh... All right, moving on. (laughs) So, General Mike Flynn, good buddy of Russia. You like that? Total great. That's a great transition, huh? It's great. Professional. 
Listen, before I... We're going to move into that, but this is a transitional kind of a thing. On YouTube, constantly, I'm being called a warmonger, a Democrat warmonger, <laughs> who wants to start World War Three with Russia. Good old YouTube. Constantly, that's being thrown at me. They know what's up on the YouTube comments. And these morons say to me that Donald Trump wants peace across the globe and no, none <laughs> of our troops are going to be in harm's way under the Donald Trump administration because he really wants to protect the troops. Well, today, General Mike Flynn, good buddy of Vladimir Putin, made this statement about Iran. Iran continues to threaten U.S. friends and allies in the region. The Obama administration failed to respond adequately to Tehran's malign actions including weapons transfers, support for terrorism, and other violations of international norms. The Trump administration condemns such actions by Iran that undermine security, prosperity, and stability throughout and beyond the Middle East, and place, which places American lives at risk. President Trump has severely criticized the various agreements reached between Iran and the Obama administration, as well as the United Nations, as being weak and ineffective. Instead of being thankful to the United States in these agreements, Iran is now feeling emboldened. As of today, we are officially putting Iran on notice. Officially putting Iran on notice. This is the man who would retweet tweets about the Jews running the media. This is a man whose son propagated the Pizzagate conspiracy. This guy has no fucking business in the White House. This guy, as far as I'm concerned, has no business, had no business, being a general in the United States military. He is a fucking embarrassment. And this statement goes to show that Donald Trump isn't this peaceful dove. He's already, what are the areas he's already pledged to send troops if things don't straighten up, Brittany? Well, that would be China or China, right. China, however he says it. Iran. Iran. We just heard that. Mexico. That's right. Mexico, because of the drugs. He's going to invade a sovereign nation because of drug traffic. And then this one's not surprising because, well, of course, Chicago. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. That's right. He's going to send in the feds, everybody. He's going to send in the feds. Announced it through a tweet. To Chicago. Yeah. If they don't clean up their act, sending that, in the feds. That is that is peaceful language. It's also, what in the hell is going on when he's tweeting that? Yeah. Honestly. Well, that's how he sets policy. That's how this White House sets policy is through Twitter. Fucking ridiculous. Unbelievable. That's how we're supposed to take our president seriously is through the use of of a 140-character limit social media platform. Ugh. Well, related to the Muslim ban that Reina talked about, Jake Tapper, who, by the way, is on a fucking rampage. He's phenomenal. Jake Tapper J-tap. is... J-Tap. is at the top of my list right now relative to the media and respect. Yeah. He's pulling no punches, telling it like it absolutely must be told. Right. And this little snippet is about him because the White House came out this week and was attacking the media for using the term ban, whether Muslim ban or travel ban. They don't want the word ban used. And Jake Tapper took them to task. 
Welcome to the lead, everyone. I'm Jake Tapper. President Trump's executive action temporarily banning visitors from several countries from entering the U.S., putting a hold on the refugee program, and perhaps indefinitely halting the entry of Syrian refugees into the U.S., continues to create controversy and conflict. Last night, President Trump finally brought the heft of the office to his trademark line, You're Fired, calling the then-acting Attorney General Sally Yates, an Obama appointee, weak on immigration issues and accusing her of betraying the Department of Justice by refusing to stand behind the Trump executive order on immigration. Chaos has, of course, rippled from Washington, D.C. to airports and foreign capitals around the world. Today, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer was complaining that members of the media are unfairly using the term ban to describe the president's action. He's also made very clear that this is not a Muslim ban. It's not a travel ban. It's a, it's a vetting system to keep America safe. That's it. It can't be a ban if you're letting a million people in. If 325,000 people from another country can't come in, that is by nature not a ban. Not a ban. Okay. Uh, but I, I could have sworn I heard somebody in the Trump administration using the term ban before. Was it possibly President Trump on Twitter? Quote, if the ban were announced with a one-week notice, the bad would rush into our country during that week. A lot of bad dudes out there. Now, Sean Spicer was, in fact, asked about the president use, president's use of the word ban in that tweet today. He's using the, the words that the media is using. Okay. So, though the president put bad and dudes in quotation in that tweet, and he didn't use quotations for ban, he was merely using the term that the media is unfairly using. It seems odd, though, right? If you object to the term, you shouldn't use it, right? It's a 90-day ban to ensure that we have further vetting restrictions so that we know who's coming to this country. Okay, but to be fair, that was Sean Spicer on Sunday. Surely he has not used the term ban since then, such as, I don't know, last night when he spoke at George Washington University. Let me just walk through the TikTok. One... The ban deals with seven countries that the Obama administration had previously identified as needing further travel restrictions. Okay, everybody clear now? Nobody should follow the lead of the biased media and call the executive action a ban. So how is it that Sean Spicer and Donald Trump and Kelly Con Kellyanne Conway, for that matter, aren't perpetually mortified with embarrassment, absolutely frozen with fright, over their lack of, of transparency and how they're made to look like idiots. He's chastising the media for calling it a ban when they called it a ban because the administration called it a ban. Right. The president himself was tweeting about it. Called it a fucking ban on Twitter, mm -hmm. his preferred form of communication. Right. Idiot. Well, it's almost insulting, right, that they think that the American people are going to fall for it, right? But so many do. And I think that's what's concerning yeah. is the facts don't really matter at this point. Not at all. It's becoming a just blind defense party allegiance. And it's concerning because these things are verifiable, right? <laughs> yeah. We know. Like, like Jake Tapper's doing here. Yeah, we know that you're lying. We know that you're being dishonest. But, but CNN's fake news, according to Donald Trump. Right. When CNN's the one doing the actual reporting and calling them out on their shit, right. that's the deal. Right. Well, Jake Tapper, he wasn't done. Listen, uh, Steve Bannon, I just did a, a, a video on YouTube about it. 
But Steve Bannon is is being elevated to a position that no other White House strategist, a political position, he deals in policy, political issues. He is being elevated to a permanent chair on the National Security Council. And they are removing a permanent chair. They're going to be, by invite only, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Director of National Intelligence. This is alarming, especially with this guy's white supremacist leanings and associations. And Jake Tapper took them on too. An American president has a tremendous amount of power. At least once a week, a life or death decision comes across his resolute desk, a, a military strike against a terrorist cell, a hostage rescue attempt, an Iranian ship too close to a U.S. naval vessel in the Strait of Hormuz. A president needs information, he needs intelligence, and he needs the expertise of seasoned professionals. The very first week of the Trump presidency does not provide much evidence that information and expertise from outside the president's immediate circle are valued as much as they should be. That's at least according to Democratic and Republican national security experts with whom I've spoken. The number of agencies and experts and congressional leaders consulted or even briefed upon the executive order on immigration and refugees was, Republican and Democratic officials say, shockingly small. The White House today took great pains to suggest that reports of a major shakeup at the National Security Council are, quote, utter nonsense. To be charitable, those are alternative facts from our friends at the White House. National security experts in the presidential memorandum making the change disagree. The president, in his new memo, gave Stephen Bannon, the former publisher of Breitbart, a seat on the Principals Committee of the National Security Council. To be clear, this has never been done before. President George W. Bush did not even invite strategist Karl Rove to the meetings. Barack Obama would allow strategist David Axelrod to occasionally attend NSC meetings, but only as an observer. Because giving a purely political staffer a principals committee seat on the National Security Council, that's brand new. And it is unsettling to a great many experts from both major political parties. In addition, President Trump has said that the director of national intelligence and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff are no longer on the National Security Council Principals Committee, but, quote, they shall attend where issues pertaining to their responsibilities and expertise are to be discussed, unquote. This is also a tremendous change, despite claims otherwise. Why the president would think that the former publisher of Breitbart is a more important voice on national security matters than the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or the director of national intelligence, that's a mystery. Except, of course, that the fear is that this is a White House that seems not to value sufficiently information and expertise from outside expert voices. Republican Senator John McCain called the National Security Council changes a, quote, radical departure. And Ambassador Susan Rice, President Obama's former national security advisor, described the decision as, quote, stone cold crazy. So the, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is the highest ranking military member of all the branches. And you've got a council from different service branches, and that's the Joint Chiefs. Colin Powell was once the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. That man's seat is no longer a permanent position on the Principals Committee of the National Security Council. It's now Steve fucking Bannon who happened to be in the Navy 
but that's it. Well, to be fair, he has a lot of intelligence experience. Before his role with the Trump administration, he worked as an investment banker, (laughs) a Hollywood producer. Yeah. Um, He made documentaries. Right. Right wing, crazy, nutter butter conspiracy theory documentaries. And he was the executive chairman of Breitbart.com. So, I mean, of course, this makes sense that he would be advising the president on matters of national security. Right. It's a natural fit. You're right. A Hollywood producer. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Propaganda organization. Great. That is right. (laughs) I mean, that is they're letting the propaganda wing of the White House have a seat. On the National Security Council. This is scary, folks. Luckily, we might be able to stop it through Senate confirmation hearings. Because uh, U.S. Code 50, Section 3021 is the number. You can look that up. Cornell uh, University has a U.S. Code like database. And you can just search U.S. Code 50, Section 3021. And you can read it. But I believe with my feeble, feeble mind, because it doesn't take too much reading here. I think it's paragraph six that there needs to be advice and consent of the Senate. And I don't know that even with the Republican Congress that Steve Bannon could get through confirmation. You need to call your congressman. We'll put the switchboard number up to the Senate on the Facebook page, go there, find the number, call your both of your senators and let them know they need to demand a Senate confirmation hearing for alt-right racist Steve Bannon. Yeah, it's important because there needs to be a check on this, right? I mean, you have someone who, from everything we can tell, is not competent to do this job, right? That's right, Competency yeah. is important, You need to know what you're talking about. You need to know what's going on. Like Jake Tapper alluded to, experience. Right, experience. And, well, how do you become competent? You get experience in the field. He doesn't have that. None of it. And this isn't an on-the-job training kind of situation. This is more than that. It's more important than that. It's the security of our free state. Yeah. It's our lives. And don't they care so much about that? Oh, yeah. That's their hallmark, they say. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Steve Bannon has been giving interviews, which is kind of weird, and he's been saying some interesting things, like that the media should keep its mouth shut. <laughs> that is a perfect lead-in, because Kellyanne Conway was on with Chris Wallace on Fox News, on Fox News Sunday, and they talked about not only Bannon's, Ban- Bannon's uh, comment about keeping their mouths shut, but also about this entire battle with the media. And she also, shocker, said some problematic things. But well, I gotta, that's what's on the table here. We're running, we're running out of time, and I want to ask you about one other issue, and that is the president's relationship with the press. Here is what he had to say about that this week. The media, much of the media, not all of it, is very, very dishonest. Honestly, strategist Steve Bannon went much further, quote, The media should be embarrassed and humiliated and keep its mouth shut and just listen for a while. But Bannon wasn't finished. The media has zero integrity, zero intelligence, and no hard work. You're the opposition party, not the Democratic Party. You're the opposition party. Kellyanne, do you understand how offensive that is? 
I understand how offensive it was to never be taken seriously that Donald Trump could be elected president. On great days, we were ignored. On most days, we were mocked. A lot of us, a lot of us reported on it fairly. So what happened to that whole thing about liberals being the snowflakes and liberals <laughs> needing the safe spaces? You know, all I've seen in my feed in the past few days is conservatives complaining that they don't feel safe. Oh, yeah. And that the refugees coming in make them feel very unsafe. And then you have <laughs> Kellyanne Conway talking about offensive. Well, it was also, very offensive not to be taken seriously. And ignored, she just said. What? Ignored with your $2 billion worth of free coverage, you fucking liar. Seriously. It's disgusting. And, 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 and that's a different issue. No, no, no. It is the issue because it extends into this presidency, Chris. You can't put a piece of tissue paper between the way Donald Trump was covered as the Republican candidate, the Republican nominee, the president-elect, and the president. It's all the same. It is an anti-Trump screed. It is completely disrespectful to the office of the president's... Hang on a minute. You can't say that him being mistreated, quote unquote, as a as a candidate is the same as him being mistreated as the president of the United States. If you disrespect a candidate, you're not disrespecting the office of the presidency. If you disrespect the nominee for one of our two parties, you're not disrespecting the presidency. It's just it's outrageous that they're trying to conflate all of this into disrespecting of the office of the president. Why? Look at what happened this week. Nobody's interested in learning the policies. It's just I've a been asking you about bite. policies today. I asked you about the vetting. I asked you about Mexico. Yes. I not, asked you not about everybody the Supreme Court. Equally. All of those are legitimate questions. Yes, are not, they every, not? not every look. Not every network and every print outlet is created equally. In the and here, oh, goddamn, this is we're not going to never going to get through this. The other thing is. You are the one. Your administration is the one who sent Sean Spicer out to talk about crowd size at the inauguration. You didn't send Sean Spicer out to talk about women's health care or daycare options for working moms. You didn't talk about repealing and replacing Obamacare. You came out and talked about ratings. You came out and talked about how many people showed up to watch your orange-faced Fuhrer be inaugurated. Well, and Reince Priebus recently said that they plan to fight the media tooth and nail on inaccurate coverage. So he's not going to concern himself with the issues. He's going to concern himself with what is being said about him and his presidency. But even then, he refuses to believe the negative things that people say or the protesting or the approval ratings. Well, he believes that's bad coverage when they're covered fairly but toughly. So I don't understand how this is supposed to work. Not like a normal administration. But if you read people's Twitter feeds, that crap would never pass editorial muster in a newspaper or on your TV show and your network here, nor should it. And so the idea that tweets are my own, really, at 1045 a.m. while you're walking out of the, 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 the place where you work? I, I, well, I would... All right, really? This is where she has the temerity to criticize a reporter for their tweets when her boss is a fucking laughingstock. Her boss is a goddamn walking joke because of his Twitter account. His two Twitter accounts. You mean the the guy who tweeted at 6 a.m., Nancy Pelosi and fake tears Chuck Schumer held a rally at the steps of the Supreme Court and Mike did not work. A mess, just like the Dem party.
uh, also called Chuck Schumer a, a week or so ago, the head clown. Right. Fake tears, Chuck. This is a 70-year-old man. He's the president of the United States, and he's tweeting this, and she's taking issue with reporters tweeting what? Because his feelings are hurt, Brittany. Donald Trump has very sensitive feelings. Who's the fucking snowflake? Yes. Much to the dismay of some of the people here, Fox, I don't tweet. Look, look, let me get to, if I may, to the real point. Politicians complain about bad press. I think you have some legitimate complaints about bad press. The First Amendment protects the press. It, we are in the Constitution, and it is offensive, quite frankly, to have folks, any politician, but folks who have been in the White House for a week lecture us about what we should and shouldn't do and that we should keep our mouths shut. Well, no, that I think what's, no, what my colleague Steve Bannon is saying is why don't you talk less and go listen to America well, more? Because let sad. me tell you something. I know what he meant. I work with him every day. <laughs> That's Here the we other go thing. again. That is the other thing with this administration. It's I know what he meant. I work with him every day. Another listen to his heart. Yeah, it's the same thing they say about President Trump. By the way, I, that's the first time I've ever referred to him as President Trump. I think it's the second time on the show. It's. I hope it's the last. <laughs> is is uh, you? Uh, let me explain what he meant. Listen, if you're the chief strategist for the fucking White House, be smart enough that people don't have. To, we don't have to have a Steve Bannon interpreter. The president should be smart enough and articulate enough to communicate what he thinks without having to have. Not an anger translator, but an English fucking translator. Well, and enough with this manipulation. I'm sick of the, well, I know what he meant. I know what's in his heart. No, we're listening to what he said. Right. And we're going to use our eyes. We're going to use our ears. And our, our personal faculties. And our intelligence. And, and we're going to figure it out. You're no. not going to try to manipulate us and say, oh, no, what he meant was something more metered and reasonable. No, that's not what he meant. Right. He's A Steve after, Bannon. After you've had time to think about it and concoct some fucking bullshit variant. Right. That's what he chose to say in his interview. And we're going to take him at his word. Media failed to learn America. Donald Trump proved something that the media failed to do, which is he understood America. The, the idea that we, we were never fine. taken and seriously in places like Pennsylvania and We have zero intelligence, zero integrity, and that we should keep our mouths shut is offensive. I think it's called listen more. And let me just say something that else happens. Uh, it's the way that everything is cherry-picked. Biased media coverage is easy to detect. It, if now, this is where Fox drops the ball. And I'm guessing that this is about where it is. Because I think this is about the last time you hear from Chris Wallace before the interview is over. I think this is the point. And if I'm right, it's two minutes and 25 seconds that he lets her fucking filibuster and ramble. And this is a problem with Fox News, even on the straight news side. Because Chris Wallace, his dad was Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes. A very well-respected man. And I like Chris Wallace. I think he's stand-up. But something's going on here when a guy like Chris Wallace lets her have the, 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 the floor for almost two and a half minutes to just spew her propaganda without question. Frankly, helped us because this was such an elite rejection election where the establishment, the elites were all rejected by the voters. It turns out there are a heck of a lot more of them than us, Chris, and that's how we won. Why is that relevant? It's relevant because 
people, where, where, who's cleaning house? Which one is going to be the first network to get rid of these people who said things that just weren't true? Talk about fake news. Talk about alternative facts. What happened last week? I went on three network Sunday shows. I spoke for 35 minutes on three network Sunday shows. You know what got picked? The fact that I said alternative facts, not the fact that I ripped a new one to some of those hosts for never covering the facts that matter to America's women, the 16.1 million women in poverty as we sit here, the 12.4 million women who have no health insurance. Everybody should feel outraged. The billions of dollars we have spent as a nation on public education only to have millions of kids trapped in schools that fail them and never really promote and protect their intelligence and prepare them for the world as they, as they all deserve. They shouldn't be restricted by the zip code where they live. They should be lifted up. This has all been a colossal failure, and nobody wants to talk about that. They want to talk about it's always zing, it's always playing gotcha. There's no question that when you look at the contributions made by the media, money contributions, they went to Hillary Clinton. We have all the headlines. People should feel embarrassed. Not one network person has been let go. Not one silly political analyst and pundit who talked smack all day long about Donald Trump has been let go. They're on panels every Sunday. They're on cable news every day. Who is the first editorial writer? Where is the first blogger that will be let go that embarrassed his or her outlets? We know all their names. I'm too polite to call them out by name. But they know who they are, and they're all wondering where I'd be the first to go. It's the election was three months ago. None of them have been let go. If this were a real business, if the mainstream media were a were a thriving private sector business that actually turned a profit, which which is not true of many of our newspapers, Chris, twenty percent of the people would be gone. They embarrassed. They failed to they failed to protect their shareholders and their board members and their colleagues. And yet we deal with them every single day. We turn the other cheek. If you're part of Team Trump, you walk around with these gaping, seeping wounds every single day, and, and that's fine. I believe in a full and fair press. I'm here every Sunday morning. I haven't slept in in months. I believe in a full and fair press. But with a free press comes responsibility. And the responsibility is to get the story right. Bias coverage, easy to detect. Incomplete coverage, impossible to detect. So she also <laughs> takes issue with the fact that, or calls it manipulative reporting or whatever, that the media only attached meaning to her saying alternative facts right. and and took everything else that she said and just dismissed it and clung to that and she believes that that is not right well she's also making the same claim again that they should have been talking about policy when the question was about why sean spicer lied about all of the inauguration numbers right and the reason that everyone clung to alternative facts is because it was such a wild attempt at manipulation and lying yes it was embarrassing yeah. And that's pretty important coming from someone so high up in the White House. And not only does Kellyanne take the position that she is in that interview, but she's also advocating that people who were critical of Donald Trump during the campaign should should be fired, should right. lose their jobs. Pundits, people that their job is to be critical. Because they failed at accurately assessing whether or not he would be president. When even Donald Trump didn't think he would be fucking president. No one did. All of the polls thought he was going to go down in flames. Even their internal polling data. So come on. It's just bullshit. Well, listen, we're going to wrap here, but I want to remind everybody... just the kind of president... Donald Trump is, and there is a very stark resemblance between him and another villainous president that we had, especially related to the relationship with the media, and that's Richard Nixon. I have never heard or seen such outrageous, 
vicious, distorted reporting in 27 years of public life. I'm not blaming anybody for that. Perhaps what happened is that what we did uh, brought it about, and therefore uh, the media decided that they would have to uh, take that particular line. But when people are pounded night after night uh, with that kind of frantic, hysterical reporting, it naturally shakes their confidence. And yet, don't get the impression that you arouse my anger. <laughs> you see, I have that impression. <laughs> you see, one can only be angry with those he respects. And now we know what the outcome of that was. We know what was happening before those comments were made by Richard Nixon. Criminal behavior. And what did he try to do? Gaslight the media. Make them look like the villain. So to try to turn public opinion against them, that these are just scurrilous lies. This isn't true. This is just the media attacking me. I'm a, a humble public servant of 28 years. How dare they malign my character? It's the exact same thing that Donald Trump's doing now. And we know what the result was with Nixon. Right. I want to end on a positive note before we go. <laughs> Good luck. So Dr. Harold Bornstein. Oh, Donald Trump's personal physician. Yes. He did an interview with the New York Times. How could this possibly be a positive end to the show when we're talking about that goofball? Well, because he, for some reason, he did an interview with the New York Times. Oh, I right. don't know why. And he revealed some information. Oh, I'm ready. About Donald Trump. Yes. So he revealed that the president takes a prostate-related drug to promote hair growth. <laughs> well... The hair growth thing is not a shocker because Donald Trump, he grows hair in all the wrong places for his head. He apparently takes antibiotics for rosacea. Oh, okay. And he takes something for um, elevated blood cholesterol. That's pretty typical. For someone who eats McDonald's on a regular basis. Um, and a 70-year-old dude. But remember, in December of 2015, he said, quote, if elected, Mr. Trump, I can state unequivocally, will be That's the right. healthiest individual <laughs> ever elected to the presidency because not only is he a family physician he's also a presidential historian Brittany. well <laughs> he's doing double duty so he's the healthiest man alive who is also taking blood cholesterol medication he's so health well it's part he needs to take it to to you know put himself on par with mortal man uh-huh <laughs> i guess so yeah that guy is a goof a total and complete goof yeah, it's fascinating that he's giving interviews. I'm sure he's going to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. This maybe. can't be good. <laughs> Him going out talking about how he's taking a drug to promote hair growth. There's no way that Donald Trump is happy about this. A butthole drug. <laughs> it's a butthole drug. It doesn't say anything about the... He said prostate. Yeah. That's I'm, in the butthole. I'm saying it doesn't say anything about how it's taken. Well, it's, it's a butthole-related drug to do something to his hair. That's all I'm saying. Butthole drug. Okay. All right. On that note, on the butthole drug note, we are going to leave you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you would like to support the show other than listening twice a week or sometimes three times a week when we do two shows in a day, ah, that was a good day, we would love for you to consider supporting us on Patreon or PayPal. 
Every little bit goes a long way. Seriously, if you were to donate $2 a month, a quarter an episode, that would go a tremendous amount to to support us in doing all the special projects that we want to do this year and all of the interviews that we have scheduled to come up. So think about it. Dollamore.com, left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says support the show. We would love to have you on board partnering with us to move the conversation forward and produce what we think is a pretty damn good show. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been Butthole Drug Central. Nah, it's I doubt it. Come on, really? It's talk about the trap! How did this happen, man?